Good morning, church. How's everybody today? Good. Welcome. Welcome to North Star. North Star is a place, we like to say, where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and if you're a first-time guest, we do a better job at that sometimes. That was pretty good. A place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and you got it. And when you leave today, you'll see those words, anything is possible. It is our vision at North Star Church. And the reason, I want to say this, the reason I say this every week, or almost every week, is so that you'll pick up on it and you'll take ownership. It is our vision at North Star to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. And I'm I'm really pumped about our vision. We exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen in the house? We welcome all of those that are present. We're one church with two locations, and we welcome those that are joining us online today. Easter Sunday, one week, one week away. And uh, we're pumped about it. We know that you're inviting, you're inviting, you're inviting, invite folks for Easter weekend. Also, Good Friday, we're having a Good Friday service right here at 7 o'clock on Friday evening. So we hope that you'll come and be a part of that. It's just going to be like an hour and 15 minute service, hour or so. But come, uh, this, this is Holy Week that many people call Holy Week or Passion Week. And we're really excited about what God is going to be doing today but also Friday evening and Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday. So invite folks. I've got to tell you like what the next series is because I, I won't know if, I don't know if I'll, I can't guarantee that I'll remember to say anything. So I just remembered. So I'm going to tell you, um, we're going to be talking about for three weeks, we're going to be talking about the end times, the last days we're living in the last days, according to Scripture, and I'm going to, in those messages, I'm going to unpack that and show you why I believe that, that it's very possible that we are the generation of people on planet Earth that will be here when Jesus comes again. So for three weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus is coming and how to be ready. Amen? So that'll be starting the week after Easter. As I said, this is Holy Week, and at the conclusion of our service, we're going to be having communion. My least, um, the part of the service that I like the very least is the very end. Because so often we see people try to cut out early to get to the store or get to their post or get to the car. And I want to challenge you today, like never before, stay through the entire service because at each of our campuses, we're going to be celebrating Holy Communion. And so, Holy Week, uh, the message today, this is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is one week before the resurrection of Christ. So if you hear anybody talk about Palm Sunday, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's one week. It's when Jesus went triumphantly into Jerusalem. 
And so we're going to read about that. Let me just set this up. As Jesus went to Jerusalem with his disciples, he told them, he said, I want you to go ahead and I want you, you'll see a, a donkey tied up and I want you to go over there and get it. And they said, what? I mean, do we ask? And they just went and got it. The owner <laughs> asked and he said, uh, hey, what, what are y'all doing? They said, the master requested this. He said, I'm good with that. If the master said it, can I get an amen? If Jesus said it, I'm okay with it, right? All right, so we're going to read just a couple of verses today as we look at Palm Sunday. And I love talking about the events that lead up to the resurrection. And so it begins today with Palm Sunday. If you have your copy of God's Word, please take it and turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to begin to read with verse 9. Matthew 21, beginning with verse 9. Let me see your Bibles. Did you bring a Bible today? Amen. Yeah. Ooh, all over the house. Lit up. I love the, the, the leather bound or the hard bound. I, I read from my phone every day from the Bible app. And if you don't have that, I would encourage you uh, to get that. All right? So the Bible says in verse 9 that the crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so after they had gotten the, the colt or the donkey for Jesus to ride on, the Bible says that they put their cloaks their outer garment, and they laid it across the donkey. And Jesus rode in humbly and lowly. Now, they had recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, right? They just thought that he was about to start his kingdom right now. They, they recognized, oh, th this is the one sent, <coughs> sent from God. But they, they, they didn't understand that he was not about to set up his kingdom, but that he was about to go to the cross. So when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, he had come down from uh, across the Mount of Olives and he came to Jerusalem and uh, all the people started celebrating. Now, if you could just wrap your mind around this, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were laying down their cloak which is like royal treatment. They were taking palm branches and laying them down. By the way, did you know that this is like so many other events in the life of Jesus? This was prophesied hundreds of years before in the Old Testament. Let me give you an example. In the book of Zechariah, in chapter 9, verse 9, Palm Sunday, that today was prophesied by the prophet. He said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, 
your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. So it was prophesied that Jesus would come. And um, let me just give you some historical context. It, it hadn't just been a little while since Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember that story? Mary and Martha, Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus had died. Jesus went over there and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came, up, came out of, of the grave. And a few other events had taken place, but this week, this holy week, was the week of Passover. Now, Jerusalem would have about, as a population, about 100,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. But historians tell us that because all the Jewish people were coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, the Passover, by the way, uh, has uh, great implications and pertinence on the fact that, that we're taking communion. Uh, Passover dates back to Egypt when the Israelites had been taken bondage into G Egyptian bondage. Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. God sent plague after plague. There were 10 times of, of testing during those latter days of bondage in Egypt. Moses kept saying, let my people go. If you didn't grow up in church, that used to be a song. Anyway, um, finally, the, the death angel. God told the people, the Israelites, look, I want you to take the blood. I want you to take a, a perfect animal, a perfect lamb without spot or blemish. And I want you to take his life, shed his blood. And I want you to take that blood, and I want you to put it on a at the top of the door, and I want you to put it on the sides of the door. And during the night, there's going to be a death angel. And whoever does not have the blood applied will be taken. Their child will be taken. And so, during the night, the Israelites, whether they understood it or not, you know, they may have been sitting around, well, I don't know about that. I mean, who told, who told Moses? Did you see him? Did you hear him? So I, I don't know about that. We, we better do it, honey. Well, you're right, baby. And so they did it by faith, and they applied the blood, and they, their child was spared. And so every year after that, they celebrated the feast of the Passover. So all of these people, 100,000 already there, historians say, that upward as to not only just hundreds of thousands, but possibly even millions of Jews converged on the city. In fact, Josephus, the biblical historian, Josephus, not Bocephus, Josephus uh, said there were probably around three million Jews in Jerusalem. Can you imagine and what were they doing? Well, they were going and they were getting a lamb to, to offer as a, as a sacrifice. And I think it's very significant that as Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, 
He is the perfect Lamb of God. In fact, his first cousin, John the Baptist, saw him coming at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He, he looked up and he saw him and he, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So as they came into the city, people were shouting, people were, were exciting, and uh, Zechariah says that he would be riding on a donkey. And in verse 9, he says, see your king comes to you. Jesus was coming, this Old Testament prophecy. Righteous and victorious. <laughs> amen? Can I get an amen? And he lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Now, I think it's interesting to point out the people. The very people that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The same people, the very same people were the very ones that were going to say, crucify him, crucify him. People are so fickle. How does God even put up with us? This is what I know. Even though people are fickle, indecisive, cantankerous, God is faithful. God is faithful. We have a faithful God. You may have come into this service wondering if you're going to make it, how it's going to turn out. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it going to be all right? But God is faithful. And he showed him, he has shown his faithfulness over and over and over and over. You see, the people thought that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to uh, bring freedom, and that he was going to set up his earthly kingdom and a military rule, and that they were going to uh, finally have some freedom. But this is what I know. He didn't want to free them. He didn't want to relieve them from the, from the oppression of, of Rome. The very reason that he came is that he would bring freedom from sin and death. He, did not want to, he didn't come to relieve them from the oppression of Rome, but to relieve them from the oppression of sin and death. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need a Savior. When a person gets saved, and the only way a person can get saved is to call on the name of Jesus. The only way a person can be saved is, is to invite Christ into their life, put trust in him. Jesus said, uh, no man comes to the Father except through me. You know, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in chapter 1, he says in verse 18, that the message of the cross, you may be here today not understanding the message of the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What we are looking at today is foolish to those that don't believe. But it is life to those who do believe. Maybe you're listening today and you're thinking, well, I, I don't fully understand it. Uh, I'm, I've learned about God, but I don't fully understand. I can't 
put my, wrap my brain around this. It may even seem foolish to you. It's because you've never believed. You've never put your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've, you have been a religious person. Maybe you've gone through the motions. Maybe, uh, listen, maybe you're a member of a church and you've been baptized. But the message of the cross, why do you talk about the cross so much? On Palm Sunday, he's just coming into Jerusalem. It was Good Friday that, that Jesus was put to death because it's life to us. The cross brings life. You may be here today feeling hopeless, lifeless. The cross of Jesus Christ brings life to you. You see, the cross... If you're taking notes, would you write this one down? The cross represents that we are connected to God. We're connected to him because of what he did on the cross. That's what the cross represents. Now today, the cross, I have a cross necklace around my neck, but you would never see anybody in Jesus' day with, with a cross around their neck. The cross was not a symbol of hope. The cross was a symbol of, of torture, like the modern-day electric chair. You wouldn't wear a necklace with an electric chair on it, would you? But for them, it was torture. But for us, it's, it's a connection to God. I can go to Him. I can go to, to God through Jesus Christ when he told his followers in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me for my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. There where I am, you may be also. And one of his followers said if you're leaving um, how, how are we going all right so i'm just i'm country if you're leaving how are we going to know where you're at jesus said i am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except through me you see the cross of jesus christ was the greatest thing that has ever happened in humanity and i think about at the cross, what was going on at the cross, and the eyes that were at the cross, the eyes of heaven were on the cross. All of heaven's eyes were on the cross. The Father's was looking at the cross. His family that was gathered there were looking at the cross. I'm thinking about the responses at the cross. The, the soldiers were gambling for his clothes for crying out loud. They, some of the followers of Jesus were, were, were confused and there were those that were criticizing and those that were sympathizing. I think about uh, the focus at the cross. Some were focusing on what Jesus was doing and some were focusing on the fact that finally we're putting him to death. You know the cross has a symbol in itself. It's both a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. The vertical beam, to me, speaks of my relationship with God and that God came from heaven to earth. Thank God that God so loved the world that he gave his 
only begotten Son, that whosoever, doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you're doing, that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we were created for eternity. The truth is, you're either going to spend an eternity with God or separated from God. Say, man, this is kind of heavy. I don't know what. I encourage you today to come to the cross. The horizontal speaks of how God's love goes out to the entire world, and it also speaks of how we are to share the gospel message with the entire world. So what does the cross say? What, what was the place of the cross? The place of the cross. It was a place where the price was paid. The price, dear friend, was paid. Jesus came to pay the price, the debt that he did not owe. We owe a debt, the debt called sin. There is none righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. And Jesus came to the earth and he said, look, Terry, look, Bill, look, Samantha, I'm paying the price for your sins. When Jesus came to the earth and he, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life at the age of 33, took that walk from the court where he was sentenced to Golgotha. And when somebody was crucified, they would make them go the most difficult path. And there, as they nailed nails in his hands and in his feet, he bled and died, shed innocent blood. You know what the Bible says? There is no remission, no forgiveness. There is no way without the shedding of blood. That's why in the Old Testament they had to shed the blood. They had to make the sacrifice. But in the New Testament, Jesus became that sacrifice. There was a price that had to be paid. You couldn't even pay it yourself. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, I think I live a pretty good life. I hope it turns out in the end. What a, what a horrible existence to wonder if it's going to be all right when you can know that it's going to be all right. Not only was the cross a place Jesus was heading to pay the price, the cross is a place that people make choices. The cross is a place where choices are made. See, all around the cross, there was religion, literally. There were scribes and Pharisees, Part of the crowd saying, crucify and crucify. There's religion all around the cross. But on the cross was relationships. The cross is a place where choices are made. You're going to make a choice today. Some of you would say, well, I've already made this choice. I've, I'm, a, I'm a Christ follower. Amen. Praise God. But for some... It's a place that you're going to make a choice to follow him or not. You know, when Jesus was crucified, there was a thief on either side of him. One sneered at Jesus. 
the other one trusted Jesus. You know, just moments later, minutes later, a short time later, Jesus died. He walked into heaven. I was talking about a minute ago, the eyes at the cross. When Jesus walked into heaven, Moses and Abraham and all of those people that had already died and were in heaven, Jesus comes strolling into heaven, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. When Jesus came walking in, that's who they wanted to see. But guess what? They said, oh, there's Jesus. Oh, thank the Father. Thank you, God. There's Jesus. Ah, it's finally happened. That's Jesus. Who's that? There's somebody behind him. Who's that? Who's that walking behind? You know who it was? It was the thief on the cross. Because he made the choice to follow Jesus. Third, the cross is a place of new beginnings. The cross is a place of new beginnings. I know that there are some listening today who need a new beginning. Who doesn't want a new beginning? Who doesn't want a fresh start? And in the cross, through the cross, through Jesus Christ, you can start over. So, man, I can't believe what I've done. Well, I may not can help you with that, but God can. Because when you come to the cross, it's a place of new beginning. Not only is it a place of new beginning, it's a place of hope for the future. Your life may seem hopeless now. In fact, you may be up against something that could cause you quickly to go into depression or, or a doubt. Let me tell you something. Cross is a place of hope. It's a place of hope. You know what? The older I get, the more I realize I, I, I'm not made for here. <laughs> it's been a good ride. I'm not, yet, I'm not quite ready to get on a bus for heaven yet. I'm not like lining up, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I tell the Lord, I, I want some more time if it's all right. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not made for here clock's ticking. I'm not going to be here forever, and that's fine because I wasn't made for here. I was made for heaven. See, the cross is a place of hope. Fourth, the cross is a place of healing. Healing. Ultimate healing. We may be sick on this earth and die, and we're going to be ultimately healed heaven but while we're still living here cross is a place for healing I know man I've, I've experienced it I still experience it I need that healing that God gives oh, there's a song that we sing here I'm not a singer and I tell singers don't preach and singers tell me don't sing and I mean it both of those. Um, but we sing this here. 
we sing that when we come to the cross, it's a place of, of healing. It's, it's a place of freedom. So the cross is a place of healing where we come to him and we find healing for relationships. We find healing physically. We find healing in our soul. Then the, the cross is a place of freedom. Freedom. God brings freedom in the cross. And there are some today that need to experience his freedom and his healing that only comes when you put your trust in him. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would take these moments and help us to understand clearly that you paid the price for our sins on the cross, that if we would just put our trust in you, we could be forgiven and saved and born again. Maybe today you realize for the very first time that you've never been saved, might have been religious, you might have went to a vacation Bible school. You might watch a service occasionally on television or go to church, or maybe you go every Sunday. But you realize that you've never truly put your trust in Jesus Christ. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just to say yes to Christ. The Bible says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to tell you, it's more than just repeating a prayer, but I'm just going to give you a uh, an example it's something that happens from your heart by faith and repentance and putting your trust in Christ but if you're ready to do that would you say this to him this is you, this is not just what I'm saying but this is from your own heart say dear God I admit to you that I'm a sinner I believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth, hung on the cross, shedding innocent blood so that I could be forgiven and that he died and he rose on the third day. I repent, I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come and live in my heart. I put my trust in you. I trust you. If that was your decision, your declaration, your prayer, that very moment that you put your trust in Jesus, you were born again. Maybe your prayer today is, God, thank you for the fresh reminder that, that at the cross there is hope and freedom and healing. Now, I'm going to ask that everyone would stand. Would you stand? Listen. 
just a moment, we're going to have communion. Our ushers are going to be here at the front, and they're going to hand out the, the cups. Each cup has a peel off at the top. If you've never seen this before like this, there's the, the wafer, and we'll take the wafer, and then, then I'll instruct you to open the, the juice, and we'll take the juice. Let me tell you about communion. Communion is, Jesus, you know, has said, um, he never told us to remember his birth. Of course we do. But he said, remember my death. He said, when you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus with his disciples, just moments before he left and went to the Garden of Gethsemane and was arrested and taken to the court and then crucified, Jesus shared the Passover meal with his disciples. Scripture reminds us that communion is, a, is remembering what Jesus did. It's, it's for believers. It's a, it's a time of it's symbolism, but it's a time of celebration. And he said, he teaches us in, in the Bible that when you take communion, be sure that you've examined yourselves. For example, if there's sins to confess or relationships to be mended, things to turn over to God, then do it. And so for the next few moments of worship, this is a very sacred time. I'm going to ask that no one leaves or no one moves around. I want us to focus completely and totally on what Jesus did for us. And if there are things that we need to make right in our hearts between us and God, this is the time. And I'll be back and we'll partake in communion. You may want to come and kneel at the kneeling stations that we have here or just wherever you're standing is fine, but just do business with God. I like to say it like this. Let the Holy Spirit, take the searchlight of the Holy Spirit and search out every corridor of your heart as you prepare your heart for communion. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.